that's what this is all about. It's about God working in people's lives, uh, working in our lives, changing us more into the image of the Lord Jesus, and then sending us out of these doors into our community and into our world to, uh, to share the gospel. And so I want us to have that context uh, for Provision Sunday this morning. It's a day where we make a financial promise to our spiritual family that we'll continue to partner together, to continue to walk together, whether it's in sandals and shorts or a little cooler weather and in warmer clothes, uh, but that we'll walk together for the purpose of growing the kingdom of God, for the purpose of God growing us and using us to grow his kingdom. Uh, I've put this uh, slide up for two weeks. I'm going to show you one more time just to remind you uh, what we're looking at for the next year. We, uh, we are, want to continue to support our annual budget and all of the funding that is needed to carry on the ministries of Green Tree. But we also have a really kind of a tough nut to crack in this long-term debt. And we want to be aggressive about that. We want to be able to bring that long-term debt down in order to have more uh, finances and resources to put to ministry. And so uh, we, don't, we don't want to ignore that. We can, we're paying our mortgage. We're doing fine month in and month out. We don't have a, a cash flow crisis at Green Tree, but we can do more. And I believe God's calling us to do more if we can work against that long-term debt. The last couple of weeks, we've shared different things theologically about uh, our giving and about our generosity. Two weeks ago, we said this, when God's pe- people actively trust and follow him, our faith is challenged and our world is changed. So we want to actively follow God in faith when it comes to our generosity because we want our faith to be challenged. We want to grow deeper. I love the way Jim said it. It doesn't stop just with coming to Christ for faith, but God takes us on a deeper journey of discipleship. Last week, we said this, disciples of Jesus must give generously and sacrificially to the cause of the gospel. That's every generation of Christians everywhere at all times in every country in the history of Christendom. This is not just particular to Green Tree, but because we're members of Green Tree, we must be attentive to make sure that our mission and our ministry is honoring to Christ. We wanna make sure that what we are investing in is bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. So this morning, we're going to look at Luke chapter 12. We're gonna look at verses 32 through 34. Uh, where Jesus calls us to trust in him, where Jesus calls us to follow him and to reflect our father's generosity in the way in which we live our lives. Luke chapter uh, 12, verses 32 through 34. You can follow along in your own Bibles or on the screen here, the word of God. Fear not, little flock, or those of you that might be mules. Sorry, Jim, I just, you left that door open. Fear not, little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is the reading of God's holy and perfect word. To him alone be glory. Let's pray together. Father, in the quiet of this moment, we pray that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts and our minds to your truth, to your teaching. Father, your truth is not relative. It is not subject to our review. It is given to us for our benefit. It never changes. It never ebbs and flows. 
It isn't concerned with our cultural mores, our human traditions. You love us much more than that. You love us much more than to tell us what we want to hear. You love us enough to give us your eternal truth, personified in our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior and our King, and his gift and his death on the cross and his resurrection, which purchases our life. And then in your word, which teaches us how to live in the grace and the mercy that you have given us and how you want to change and shape our hearts and our minds and conform them to the image of your son, that the gift that you've given us in your scriptures is your revealed truth that leads us into the pathway of life. So, Father, we really are not interested in what any man has to say this morning. We want to, we long to hear from you. So, Father, I pray that you would guard and protect my words from going astray, that you would forgive me my sin. We pray that you would come and that you would teach us through the power of your Holy Spirit, through the power of your word, Lord Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. Our sermon in a sentence this morning is this, heart smitten with heaven, do the most earthly good. Heart smitten, and I, I picked that word very intentionally because it speaks of, of romance, it speaks of love, it speaks of, of cherishing one another, it speaks of, of somebody bowling you over with their presence in a way that whether it was love at first sight or, or a love that grew uh, over the course of weeks and months of years of courtship, uh, there, there's, a, there's a heartfelt desire and longing to be together. We're not talking about a cold relationship between a distant God and people who don't know him, but rather we're talking about having our hearts smitten with heaven. And when that happens, I believe that we do the most earthly good. So what I want to ask all of us this morning is what captures our hearts? What captures your heart? What captures my heart? In particular, what capture our, captures our hearts regarding generosity? I can tell you some things that capture my heart uh, when I think about uh, generosity. And I think about our, our mission statement. And one of the things that we say in our mission statement is we want to grow disciples. Growing disciples means introducing people to Jesus and then helping them grow in that faith to know him more, to love him more, and to follow him more. That's what Jim's story was all about just a moment ago. It was about the, the work of God's kingdom at Green Tree that, that intersected Jim Gurr's life at the Bulldog Cafeteria and led to the story this morning, which is all about eternal life. Praise God for that story. That's what really gets me fired up. I want more Jim Gurra stories. I, I think about Michelle talking about the, the next adventure in church planting. We're, we're headed to St. Charles shortly after the first of the year, Lord willing. You can pray for Brian Roskin. Michelle called him their pastor. He's not ordained yet. In fact, he's taking his ordination exams this week. And so he comes into the office and he's got this kind of deer in the headlights look and all the pastors pat him on the back and then we sneak away and we laugh at him behind his back because uh, we've all been there and we know what it's like to go through those monstrous three-hour uh, exams and then have to, to take oral exams. So you can pray for Brian. He's not there yet, but, but he'll get there and we're going to start after the first of the year with those folks aggressively planting in St. Charles. That really stirs my heart. There are other things that stir my heart too, because it's not just about growing disciples. It's not just about planting churches, but there's a third cog to that wheel in our, in our mission statement, and that's renewing communities. Uh, Cindy told me recently that the, uh, the, um, 
the, the, the school program where kids can come from the city to come to Kirkwood High School is going to uh, stop next year, except if students are already here, they're grandfathered in and they can finish their education in the Kirkwood School District. But she's talked to me about several of her kids from the city that are trying desperately to figure out how to get to school in the morning because the busing is going to stop and they don't have a ride, but they want to keep going to Kirkwood High School because they've had such an amazing experience, not just with sports, but scholastically as well. What stirs my heart is a community that would say, those kids get to get to school. And we're going to figure that out. When I hear about the, the, the uh, achievement gap, Starting at such a young age with our children, I, I want to be around a group of people that say there's no reason for that, not in our community, not in our generation, not when there are disciples of Jesus that can make a difference in a community. You and I both know we can't solve all the issues of this world, but we can make a dent in what God wants us to do in this area of St. Louis today, right here, right now. Those are some of the things that capture my heart. But according to this passage, and if I'm honest, there are other things that capture my heart. And I want to look at this passage with you this morning because I think perhaps we're in the same uh, emotional state together. There are probably some of these things that we're going to see that we can all say amen to. That describes me. There are two things that Jesus says in this text that capture our heart that are unhealthy, that are harmful for us, that, that uh, work against what his spirit is seeking to do in our lives. And then there's one thing that he points out that can capture our heart, that can make all the difference in a positive direction. So let's, let's look at the two negative ones first. The first thing he says in, uh, in verse, uh, the first verse in verse 32 is, fear not, little flock. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So Jesus understands that we have financial fears in our lives. This is in the context of a larger conversation about money, about resources, about finances. And so Jesus understands that he's talking to a group of people like any other group of people that have financial concerns. They carry financial burdens. They have responsibilities for themselves and for others. And they tend to be fearful when they look at the world around them and they see some things changing. They see things that are out of their control and they tend to want to be protective and they want to tend to kind of take care of themselves and not so much worry about the other person. And so Jesus starts out by saying, fear can capture your heart. Fear can control your lives. And if you look at the words he uses, the language that's expressed here, there's some things that pop out. He talks about uh, fear not, little flock, but he goes on to say that we have certain things in which we may put our trust, and yet there's financial certainty. He says that we ought not worry uh, or we ought to invest in, in eternal money bags that do not grow old. You think of a, of a money bag that, that can, you know, you keep it for a while, it's going gonna, it's gonna to rip and it's going to tear. Every once in a while, my wife says, it's time for a new purse. And I look at her purse and I say, let's go get a new purse. I don't need to understand everything, right? It's clearly it's time for a new purse, right? Okay. Jesus says your, your money bags are going to get worn out. There's going to be financial uncertainty. You're not always going to, to, to know how it's going to all come together. There are also financial setbacks in this life, right? Jesus says, I want, you to, I want you to store your treasure where thieves don't break in and where moths don't destroy. Excuse me. There are financial setbacks. Thieves can steal, right? And I'm not talking about the IRS. Some of you may have had that thought go through your mind. I'm not, I'm not going there. There are ways in which the market ebbs and flows. There are ways in which investments sometimes work and sometimes don't. There, there are times when, when you're employed. There are times when you're unemployed. 
There are times when it, it, it feels better financially. There are times where it feels worse. There are always going to be financial setbacks in this world, and that can cause great fear in our lives. But also Jesus uses the language of, of treasure. And, and there's a, t- a sense here where Jesus says, even if you're successful, that isn't going to take away all of your fears. Because even if you're successful, you may wonder, am I going to have enough? And Jesus is clear in this passage that treasures can and do fail. They can evaporate just like that. So it isn't that, that we ought not fear, that we have no reason to fear. From a human perspective, I'm talking about just from a human perspective, when you put all these things together and you think about how our money bags can grow old, how, how there can be setbacks financially, how we, could, how we can lose things, how treasures can fail, it's like, yeah, you, you probably ought to be a bit nervous. Maybe the answer to the question is, is right. One more dollar is going to be enough. Just one more dollar because it is a fearful world. Where are your fears and my fears financially this morning? Where is it that we want to kind of hold it close to the vest because we're just not sure? I love the fact that Jesus is honest with us. And he knows that we're a fearful people. And you think about sheep. Think about the language that Jesus used there. Fear not little sheep, little flock. Uh, I did some rereading this week on sheep just to make sure that no scientific breakthroughs had come through and said that sheep have gotten aggressive and strong and, and willful. Basically, when, when, a, when, a, when a wolf or a lion or a bear or anything attacks a flock of sheep, they just all kind of get in a big pack and they run in a circle. And so the goal is to get in the inside of the circle so you don't, you're not one that's on the outside of the circle that gets plucked and eaten and, and that's the end of the story. But, but sheep are incredibly fearful. The, the, the smallest thing can send them over the edge. I had a friend uh, years ago who was a speaker in, in, uh, in our youth camps and he grew up on a, on a, in a city, but he went to a farm every summer, his grandparents' farm. And there was a sheep there that was kind of like a family sheep. It was kind of a pet. It wasn't really, um, it wasn't really, they weren't, you know, growing it to, for, the, for the wool or to have lamb chops. And uh, this sheep was ornery. And it sensed that he was afraid of him and it would chase him around the barnyard when he was a little kid and it would bite him in the back of the leg, it would bite him in the rear and he just hated that sheep. And so he got to be about 10 years old and he decided he was going to do something about it. So he stood by the edge of the barn and the sheep came walking along and when the sheep came walking along, he jumped out and went, boo! (laughs) Sheep fell over dead. (laughs) True story. (laughs) True story. That's how, that's how scared sheep get, right? right? They die of fear, right? The market's going to crash. We're frozen with fear. We, we lose a job. We're, we're incapacitated by fear. We're, we're like sheep. We get scared. We're not sure if, if, we're, if it's going to be okay. And so I love the fact that Jesus says, I get it. I understand that you're fearful. But you know what? Fear not. Fear not, little flock. But there's another thing that Jesus gets after here, and that's temporal gratification. In verse 33, Jesus says this, sell your possessions and give to the needy. That's not a, that's not a suggestion. That's, that's in the imperative sense, in, in the language there. That's a, a command. Jesus says, I know where your heart can go. You don't want to go there. Sell your possessions, right? 
Give to the needy, provide for yourselves with money bags that do not grow, with treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. Why does Jesus have to tell us that? Well, it's because our hearts can be seduced by this life's possessions, by the money bags that this world offers, by the treasures that this world dangles in front of us and says, you'll be happy if you have just this. You just need a little bit more, get a little bit more, have a little bit more, and you'll truly be safe and you'll truly be happy. And that's a very real temptation in every one of our lives. We'd like to think that we're above that. Like say, I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm, I'm not really tempted by the, the things of this world. And I really wish that were true. But I was at the golf store on Friday. And, I'm, and my, my youngest son invited me to go on a golf trip with him. The ne- I'm leaving this afternoon, and we're going uh, to, out to Oregon to play golf for three days. And it's the, it's the off-season there. Uh, so the prices were really good, and I had a free plane ticket so I could make it work financially. But I found out why it's the off-season there. It's because we're going to be playing in a rainstorm for three days in a row. So I'm at the golf store on Friday. And now, I have a Columbia jacket that I bought on sale out at... Um, uh, Bass Pro Shop out in St. Charles last year that has a perfectly good rain jacket. I can, and, I've, and I've put it on and I've tested to say if I can swing a golf club as good as I can, and I can't. So I don't need a rain jacket. I have one, but it's not a cool golf rain jacket. It's a Columbia kind of stand outside, hang out by the fire pit with your buddy's rain jacket. And I was walking through the golf store to just get a golf club, to get a 15, I was going to spend $15. And this golf jacket said, Psst, hey, look over here. <laughs> And it was a beautiful red, red, Kirkwood red, right? Foot Joy golf jacket for only $180. And it was saying, you want me. <laughs> Come here, little Tommy, right? Just, just try me on. Just, oh, don't I feel so good? And I'm like, oh. And then the sales clerk comes by and goes, you look really good in that, right? So I knew he was a liar right off the bat. <laughs> I was comfortable. I don't look good in much of anything, all right? And I just, I, I, had to, I had to fight to put it back and to go get my golf club and to walk out of that store. I, I had $180 in my pocket. I, I could have spent it, right? It's not that that would have broken our, our budget this month, but it was the seduction of, boy, if you just had that, you'd be happy. And there was a voice inside my head that said, don't you believe it for a second because it's simply isn't true. I love the fact that Jesus is honest enough to tell us that we can get scared. I also love the fact that Jesus could say, and you're greedy too. And you think about it only yourself and you're going to have to deal with that. I love the fact that the gospel convicts us. But the way that Jesus convicts us is to convince us of, of, the, of the third observation here, which is not fear, and, and, and it's not a, a sense of, of greed or temporal gratification, but it's our Father's generosity. Verse 32 and verse 33, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide for yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure uh, in the heavens that does not fail, where there no thief approaches and no moth destroys. We are assured of an inheritance, Jesus says. There is a day coming when you won't have to be fearful. Your father is providing for you now. He's going to provide for you for all of eternity and his money bags, his treasure, the kingdom that he's giving you does not ever go away. Think about this with me just for a moment. If you've studied scripture at all, think about the qualities that come with the eternal kingdom of God. First of all, that's just it. It's eternal. It's ongoing. It never ends. 
We're free from sin. There's no more evil. There's no more suffering. There are no more tears. I don't know what I'm going to do. There won't be a chance to cry anymore. No more sorrow. There's no more death. Jesus, put, Jesus puts it in terms of a wedding banquet feast. And in Jesus' day, a wedding banquet feast went on for at least a week, right? It's just, it keeps on going. The party never ends. We'll be face to face with our Lord and Savior. Our Father's generosity is what should capture our hearts in this life, not just waiting for the life to come, but we know that we have a heavenly treasure, that the money bags of which Jesus speaks is our Father's abundance, and there's no risk of loss, there's no theft, there's no no corrosion. And so the question this morning is, what should capture our hearts is really easy for the disciple of Jesus to answer. I mean, this is the place where you look at the text and you go, well, clearly what should capture our hearts is our Father's eternal care. It's understanding that, that everything is going to be just fine, that he's not going to leave us, that he's, that he's not going to abandon us in this life. He's going to care for us in this life, even in the midst of our struggles, and that one day the struggles are going to end, and when we get home, it's all going to be amazing. The question is, can you and I tell the difference between living lives of fear and living lives of faith and our Father's generosity? The teaching is clear, but what about the application? What about how it's sinking down into your life and it's sinking down into my life? Can we tell when we're living in fear? Can we tell when we're living for temporal gratification? Or can we tell when we're living in our Father's generosity? And that's why Jesus gives us the very last words of this teaching. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Notice the order there. He does say where your heart is. Show me your heart and I'll show you your treasure. He says, show me your treasure and I'll tell you about your heart. Because they'll both be right next to each other. Your treasure and your heart are never very far apart. They're always together. So how do we tell the difference? How do you tell this morning? How do I tell this morning where my heart? Well, I think the first step is for an honest self-appraisal, a genuine kind of looking myself in the mirror and asking the question, what does my life say about my treasure? Some of that honest self-appraisal may need to be done with people that love me, with family members and with friends, because I know that my heart can be wicked and my heart can be deceitful. And I might not even understand the depth of my struggle with fear or with greed, but we need to do an honest self-appraisal. We need to look in the mirror of the gospel of Jesus Christ and say, how do our lives reflect them? Are we willing to take a temporal look? Are we willing to to see whether or not there's fear in our heart? And if there is, to offer that to God and say, Lord, I need you to deal with my fear. I need your word to come in and speak your peace and your truth into my life. And I need to share that with other brothers and sisters so they can have an impact on my life as well. So that that fear would be something that begins to dissipate and that fog begins to lift. And I begin to see who you are truly. And I don't have to live in fear, but I can trust you with everything. Are we willing to look hard enough to say, am I really stuck with temporal wealth? Does that really become my idol? Does it really become what I'm living for? And if it is, am I willing to give that to God? Am I willing to say, Father, that's not where I want my life's definition to fall. 
I don't want to be defined as a person who lives for their possessions. Are we willing to confess that sin and ask our Father to replace that fear and that, and that temporal focus with a heart of generosity, with a heart of faith, with a heart that longs to see the kingdom of God not just grow out there, but in my own heart? One of the things I've discovered being the pastor of Green Tree for as long as I've been here is that people are incredibly generous when you ask them. And a lot of you are sitting in this room right now, and you know every once in a while you get an email from me. And it says, hey, I, I need a hundred bucks, not for me, not for my golf jacket. I, need, <laughs> I said that the wrong way. We, <laughs> we, we've got a situation that we need to, we need to help with. So uh, the prom that we did last year with the kids that couldn't afford prom, I sent a note out to about 20 friends and said, could you, could you give you know, $50 to $100 to help make this happen? And man, just like that, it pops. Somebody, somebody needs a car. Somebody, somebody needs some help with something. And, and the moment that I asked, it's just, it's almost immediate. I'm so thankful for that kind of generosity. I'm thankful that that spirit is here at Green Tree, but I also know that it's not just about what we give, but it's about what God does in our hearts. Because if I, if I, if I respond with generosity, that, that is man's generosity, but my heart isn't changed, then what difference does it really make? Jesus wants our hearts. That's why he tells us we don't have to fear. It's why he tells us that we don't have to live temporally. It's because he wants to capture us. He wants to smite our hearts with his love and his grace and his mercy. But he knows this other stuff gets in the way. He knows this other stuff can crowd out that message. And so he calls us to do an honest self-appraisal, to look at his word and to look at our own hearts and then to ask him to make the changes that are necessary. Because your identity and my identity, if we're in Christ, has already changed, Right? If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has arrived. 2 Corinthians 5. Go home and read that today. What an awesome passage about your identity and my identity in Christ. So if our identity has changed, then we want our behavior to change. We want our, our, our behavior to catch up with the character of God. We've been set, free, set free by God's generous grace. We are objects of his love. The question is, does my life reflect that? Does your life reflect that? I remember when, uh, when Cindy and I were in college and I made the really, really foolish, foolish decision to break up with her. And then I went O for the year on dates and, uh, and she had a, like four dates every weekend. And I, it dawned on me that I really had done a stupid thing. I'm really quick on the uptake. Um, but she wouldn't talk to me, right? And you'd go, well, yeah, duh. <laughs> Uh, she wouldn't have anything to do with me. So I'd sit in the lobby of our dorm, and as people would walk by, I'd say, hey, you know, I'm going to marry Cindy Schmidt. I almost said Cindy Ricks. I'm going to marry Cindy Schmidt. And they would look at me like, she, she would spit on you if she was standing here. What are you talking about? I'm like, I, I made a mistake, but, but someday I'm going to marry her, right? And uh, God tricked her. I'm not sure what happened, but she, she, I was going to say she came to her senses. But, but my behavior my behavior began to match my heart. And I began to, 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 to try to speak a different language here. I tried to, to help her see that I was somebody different and that, that if she would give me a chance that I, that I wanted to win her back. I didn't just have that thought in my mind. I didn't just have that desire in my heart, but my hands and feet kind of, kind of followed. And I began to live in a way that said, I, I want to be with Cindy. 
So the gospel has penetrated my heart and my mind. Do I now live in a way that says I, I want to be generous? It's really funny because when I left the golf store the other day, you know, I'm driving down the street and, and you know, I'm, I'm trying to get away as far as I possibly can. You know, it's like an, an addict just trying to get away from, from, from what's, you know, trying to capture them. But I, my phone rings. And it's a, it's a family uh, that I know really well. And not, they're not calling me, but, but somebody else is calling me and telling me about some of the struggles that they're having right now. And they have family coming to town for Thanksgiving, and they, they don't want to make a big deal out of it, but they didn't have very much. And I'm like, I, I, I have some money. <laughs> I got $180, <laughs> right? I can chip in. Now, you think I had more fun doing that? Or you think I would have had more fun if I had that jacket on and that phone call came and I didn't have any money, All right? Our lives need to match the gospel. It's not about behaving in a way that will get God to love us. God's already loved us unconditionally. It's about allowing his love to transform us into the character of his son. So the sermon in a sentence went like this. Hearts smitten with heaven do the most earthly good. And, and that's true. I think Jesus begins to point that out in this text. But there's one little word you could change. And it, and it still says the same thing, but it's just slightly different. And that's this. Heart smitten by heaven do the most earthly good. Before your heart was inclined towards God, God's heart was already inclined towards you. While we were still God's enemies, Christ died for us. That's his definition of generosity. What's ours? Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the honesty of Jesus and calling us to account for our fear for our desire to put our faith in the things of this world, for challenging us to go in a new and a different way. Father, I thank you that your son loves us enough to die for us, to redeem us, to save us, to give us a new life. And the new life he gives us is a life that is filled with his spirit and his word, his transforming power, so, Father, I pray this morning that this, this wouldn't be about money, but it would be about loving you so much because you first loved us. Father, you've given us this home. You've given us uh, new lives this year. We've seen people come to Christ. You've given us the opportunity to start a new church. You've given us an opportunity to make a difference in our community. You've, you've, you've called us into this question of, of biblical social justice and mercy. that we're, we're wrestling with that, Father. There were so many opportunities before us. We pray that as we commit ourselves this morning, even being tempted to fear, being tempted to think about earthly possessions, that we would respond in faith, that your generous heart would fill our hearts and our minds for your glory, for the good of your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.